Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, hey, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week, and show notes are found at 805connect.com. Please subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner, Pull String Press, for this great studio. And to Patrick, my co-host. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Mark. Nice to see you. Hey, Patrick, we're going to try something different. I can't wait. We are going to not only call another city. Yeah. We're going to call another continent. <laughs> first. Yeah. Huh? What took first. us so long? I want you to meet Pia Dor. Pia, how are you? Hey, Patrick. Hey, Mark. It's see. good to hi, hi. be on the show today. I'm doing great over here. Now let's see if we can get our listener to guess which continent we've <laughs> called. <laughs> yeah. So, so Pia, you're... Um, you're originally from uh, Australia and then spent time in Santa Barbara and then moved back. Is that the, the story we're telling everybody? Correct. Um, I'm born and raised in Sydney, Australia, and uh, did my first degree over here. And then I actually jet set it off, which a lot of Aussies do. They do what's traditionally known as a, a gap year, which is either before or after university. And I took off at that point to go over and work in Canada. Um, and I stopped en route at a few countries along the way. And being up in Canada, I took a trip down to the US, um, or multiple trips actually. And over time, I just really loved being down there. I moved back to England for a little while and spent some time there and just kept coming back to the US to a point where eventually I applied for green card lottery, actually. And green card lottery? Lucky huh. It is. Yeah, it's a real thing. Some okay. people don't know it exists. <laughs> but uh, every year the U.S. government gives out, I think it's 50,000 green cards. And there are some countries around the world that can't participate, um, like England and Mexico, countries that have already too many immigrants in the U.S. Right. But other countries are allowed to apply and they look at a, a variety of factors to, dependent on the country. So for Australia, you know, you need to have a degree or a certain amount of money in accounts or a certain amount of experience so that you're coming to the U.S. with something to offer. Uh, so I've got my green card lottery and I set up in the USA and I've lived in a few different cities. I've lived East Coast a little bit. I've lived up in Aspen for a while and I lived in Santa Barbara for 12 years, mm. which is where I worked for um, some companies over there and then started up Orange Identity after I had my first child. Now, you worked for a previous guest on the show, John Davies. I did, yeah. I um, incredible, incredible man and uh, phenomenal in the area of public relations and public affairs. And I owe a lot of um, my side to John, I think, my strategic side and the way that I think about executing for clients and also uh, my love of design. Um, John really is mm. a master within that space. So um, kudos to John. So for those of you um, who are hearing us for the first time, go into the back catalog and look for John Davies. It's a, a, a great conversation and one that I thought this would be a good compliment to. Um, the other piece uh, about this is I met you on our first, oh, guess what? 10, 10, 10. <laughs> so that was six years ago today. We don't normally date the show, but 10. There we go. <laughs> it was our first TEDx, TEDx American Riviera, and you came on board in our second one. Is that right, or was our last one? 
I came on board in the last one. Right. So that was 2012 at the Bacara, and you came on board. I'm, I'm not sure who. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure who drafted you. How did that work? Tell me that story. How'd you hear about us? Do you know what I? I'm actually not sure how I even got involved. Well, we um, were really we were really needing strategic marketing, and someone said, "Hey, I know the person." And you, yeah, what, it was what, a great team. We had a great team there. I headed up doing the managing the marketing um, and the strategic branding firm on or firm uh, team on that. And we worked with um, an animator, Trifco, and we worked with Ulrike Kerber, who's a phenomenal um, one of my all-time favorite designers and animators. Um, and she's based out of Santa Barbara with Viva Design and. Seriously, if you're looking for some off-the-wall thinking and some really creative stuff, then then that's your girl. So yeah, um, she she, she was helped us out. Yeah. Oh, she's great. She does stuff for Nick and for Disney, and we've worked together on a couple of projects. And I sit down regularly um, on different projects with her at the brainstorming table, and we have a lot of fun coming up with different ideas. And um, wonderful person to work with. So I was very fortunate to work on that team, and a great girl, Jacqueline Shaw, as well, who's local and. Um, she was at B3 Architects then. Um, and yeah, we just had a great team. We really pushed forward and pushed the boundaries. And it was fun to be part of something so energetic. And I knew about TED at that time and I'd watched TED talks, but to actually start to be involved on one um, from a grassroots level. And I love the TEDxes because they come from such a core passion. Everything's yeah, you know, right. done from the ground right. up with it. And and it was really a great learning experience, and it just fueled a huge passion for me with TED. And I've been watching TEDs and TEDxes ever since. We got you. We got you hooked. Um, <laughs> what I what I appreciate about working with you, and it's um, what I also love about technology, is the fact that I always felt extremely connected to you and your team. So you have team members there in Sydney, and actually, you're actually north of Sydney by an hour or so, right in this stunning place. Uh, what's the name I of the am. city? What is it called? I'm in Avalon Beach, which is um, yeah. a suburb of Sydney. It's on the northern beaches. And uh, Kelly Slater actually used to have a place up here. So it's a big oh. surf hub. And nice. it's right on the tip of the peninsula, surf beach on one side and flat water and sailing, you know, a 10 minute walk on the other side, right yeah. on the peninsula tip. So Google um, map that. Google map that kids and Avalon get beach, jealous. It is, it is stunning. Um, yeah, we have staff down in Melbourne and then uh, across in the USA as well. So. Right, so there's a so it was great because there was a team here in Santa Barbara that could execute and uh, work on things. So we we felt very covered when we just did our TEDx Santa Barbara. But what I want to talk about is the 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 thing that you brought to the table was the the key piece. There were a lot of things, but the very first one is how did you help us? How you helped us? think about our theme and how to turn that theme into a strategy that really drove so much of what we did. And we had come up with what if, and that was all we knew. And that's been my challenge with designers and marketing all along as we come up with these really abstract concepts. And I think that's much like any business, right? They've got this idea and it's like, okay, mm -hmm. well, you know, what does that look like? What does what if look like? What, you know, getting to the logos is too, a little bit further down the path, but there's that, how do you want people to feel when they think about that? And we had a conversation that kind of changed everything. And I'd like you to kind of talk about how you 
where you think strategic marketing or that core idea, if you will, how that fits at the very front end of the process? I think, you know, these days, marketing and design, it's become a little bit all over the place. And there's so many different options today. If we wind back the clock quite a way, um, you know, there's definitely a time of kind of US corporate greed and really high flying prices on all this side and everything was quite segmented. And then today, um, we've got all of these options and all these price levels for people to do things and people start to really cut corners. And that's not to say that um, that we are saying, look, don't go and find a more economical option because it's great that economical options exist today for design or for branding. Um, they're essential for the thriving base of startups in the world. But you have to really think about who you're working with and you have to think about whether or not they're really listening to you and unearthing and doing the research at the base. And one thing that our entire team would say is nothing ever will substitute for good research on the base. Oh. And if you've got And on the base, in, you mean your customer base? Yeah, building it up. Right. Well, customer base, but also the base of the idea, the base of the product, the base of the service, the base of the the actual company and the brand, the people that work there. Oh. Everybody, everything from what you sell to who works in your company should be spot on. You know, people need to look also at their staffing. You know, is everybody in your company on target with who your brand is and excited about what it does? And if they're not, then you need to either get them excited or you need to reshuffle your staffing. And um, and the same when it comes to products, is everything run on target for that? And so good research, working with a company, and even if it's something small, as simple as, you know, doing a small amount of you know, color design or a simple logo for a very small mum and pop shop or a, you know, a mum that's got a small business, you know, make sure that that person that you're talking to, that designer has a strategic side, that they're actually thinking more about, you know, just getting the money and giving you something and producing something pretty, but actually understanding what you want that communication to do. And there are so many different ways that we communicate this, these days. And there are so many options. I mean, Right, right. I, it's it's an incredible world out there of opportunity and options, but it's also very confusing. So at a very simple level, just make sure that you're on board with someone who is who understands and relates to your brand and that you trust to carry it because that's your baby at the end of the day. If your brand is not successful, then it's not going to survive. Um, so make sure you're really well aligned with somebody, even if it's just for a small component or what you think is small. Everything you put into the marketplace is not small, let me tell you. That's the survival of your business. What are the, so I, I love that. And in, in, in full disclosure, we work with you on several projects. So uh, just so people mm -hmm. know, because because in this case, we found that working with you on on TEDx gave us the opportunity to see how your team works, how you think, how you, it's really how you forced us to think, honestly, right? You really got us to think <laughs> about you. those things, right? Which was, which would, we appreciate it. Like we know how to produce a TEDx, we know how to produce, uh, you know, Kimberly knows how to, you know, train speakers, but all of those other bits, um, you know, we're, you know, I will admit where you're not as good at until you someone challenges you to start thinking of those things uh, and then by extension you come and help us with our other projects and they get better as a result what what are the would you say three questions that someone who you know they're trying to they figure out okay I get it I, I need to have someone help me do that 
with their interviewing people, you know, maybe they've got an introduction to someone. That's probably the best way to do it. But um, if they find someone, how do they? What, what would be three great questions that you found when you're onboarding new clients or you're working with prospects that are the most effective? Um, do you mean as far as when we start to roll out or when we're well, starting to hire? Because when we start to roll out, when you're so someone calls you. Someone calls you and says, "Hey, Pia, we've you know we've got a startup, or or we're we're switching firms um, with our established company. What they're they're maybe they're already going, and they're having that get to know you phone call, and they're trying to figure out you know you're trying to figure out can you work with them? They're trying to figure out if they can work with you. What what are some of the questions that would be helpful on both sides to know? So maybe if a designer is listening to us now." We can give them some tips on, hey, you want to find this out about your client before you find it out, you know, three months in. Or for the client to say, hey, you know, this is the kind of thing you might want to ask your designer or your marketer. I think the thing that we look for um, the most and the kind of questions that we want to ask is how well they know their brand. So we actually have a questionnaire that we oh. put together that we send out. And it's about 26 questions. Um, we've developed it over the Oh. you know, the last few years. And it's a, it's almost like a brand personality test. It's funny, oh. I was thinking about this the other day, and I was thinking, um, to be all disclosure and candid, it's pretty funny. Um, prior to, uh, I'd split up from um, my boyfriend a number of years back, and he's now my husband, and we have three kids, and very happy. But um, I was kind of in this point of like, oh, my gosh, you know, like who else is out there? And so I just, <laughs> you know, I started to look at the online dating thing because I thought, I think I was 32 or 31 at the time. And I thought, oh, my God, like the world's dried up. I'm never going to find anyone. And I went on eHarmony. And you'll laugh because everyone does all kinds of different ones these days. But, you know, the thing that I really loved about eHarmony was it was a really extensive questionnaires. And some yeah. people that really deters them. Yeah. And, you know, four, four or five days later, he packed up his car and he rocked up my doorstep and said, let's do this. And we we're about to get it. So it was only four or five days of being on eHarmony. But let me tell you that I did all the questionnaires and, um, and I chatted with a couple of different people. And the thing I loved is that I got to know myself. I got uh. to it asked me questions that I hadn't asked myself in years. And they were important even when I did get back with Andrew. And they were questions about the things that are important to me, the pillars of who I am and the things that I like to do. And I actually really love that. But I love the research side because I think it gives you just the foundation and fuels the upside. So we like to think of that questionnaire. And in my head, it's almost like a, a bit of a, a dating, a brand dating questionnaire in essence. And there's no wrong or right. It's similar to doing something like a Colby or a strength testers. You know, there's no right or wrong. If you don't know the answers to some of those questions, that's fine. Be honest and write NA because that tells me where the hole is in your marketing right now. But through reading those questionnaires and doing them with clients, we find that the clients get to know themselves better. And the biggest thing yeah. I'd say to anyone out there, whether or not you're working on as a designer or purely as a strategist or in PR, is make sure that you work with a client who, A, is passionate about what they do. Because even if they don't know themselves as well as they thought they did, or they don't know their brand as well as they thought they did, yeah. if they're passionate, they're going to want to learn. And that's one thing that I loved about working with you guys on TEDx. You know, there was such an incredible energy. So it was easy because we were also dang excited about it that we yeah, were firing we were. off the yeah. walls and yeah. all this stuff was going, oh, my God, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. And um, and that's that's the first thing I'd say. Find a, find a customer, a client, or, you know, if you're looking for a designer, it goes both ways. 
find people that are excited about what you've got. There's plenty of people out there. There's plenty of other choices. Make sure you've got the right one on board. And these brand, you know, personality questions really help us determine whether or not that's the right fit for us. And if it's not the right fit for us, this is a lesson John Davies taught me years ago. He said, you know, pass the business on because next time they'll refer you on. If it's not the right fit for you, you don't need, you know, we don't need the money in the door that badly. What yep. you want to do is make yep. sure it's the right fit because then, you know, next time the right fit will come in the door and you refer them on and say, you know what, I think this person might be a better fit for what you're looking to do. Or you might say, you know what, oh my God, we are so the right fit for right. this. Can't wait to get started. Right. So that's what I would say. And if people are not invested in their brand and excited, you're never going to get the feedback that you want. You're going to send your design or your logos or your concepts or your strategy and you're going to wait a week or two weeks or a month or two months and they're going to say, oh my God, it's so urgent. We need it by next Friday. And then you're going to wait a month for an answer. And then, you know, nobody's happy because nothing's moving forward. It starts to get stagnant. Um, you want things to be active. You want them to be moving forward and flowing and the energy to be kept up and, you know, really just to have a good um, a good forward-moving action with that energy. So that would be my first and foremost. Um, if people don't know their brand as well, don't worry about it. If they're excited, they can get to know their brand better with you helping to direct and lead that. And that's a, probably like the funnest part of the job that I do. Um, we've got a whole team that love to do different parts, so it works right, perfectly. Right. But Ashley, who's our director in the U.S., Ashley um, Radosevich, she has a psychology degree and oh. she worked at Davies for years. Um, and so we both love the Davies way of doing things. So that was great and a natural fit to work with her. But Ashley and I are innately driven towards the strategy and the psychology of things. And so for us, unearthing that and really discovering who a client is and what they want to do and what they've been doing so far, what has been working, what hasn't been working, what are their targets, are they meeting them? And if they're not meeting them, why is that? Could it just be something as simple as tweaking um, perhaps who they're going out to or perhaps changing um, a more traditional marketing outreach to a more contemporary online one or vice versa? So, you know, just because everything's online these days and um, there's so many new options doesn't mean that that's the best option for your company. So just really looking at those things. The other thing I always make sure from the beginning is budget. You know, it's it's the horrible part of the job in a way. I don't yeah. I don't like to talk budget with people. It's not my strength, unfortunately. Um, but make sure you're on target for budget. Make sure that you have an agreement there in place, um, and you know, make sure that alignment's there because at the end of the day, you could be spending a lot of time with somebody and then in the end realize that you're not budget aligned. And that's important too. I want to I stay on that for a second because I've, um, I find this a lot dealing with uh, artistic people or creative people that they have a hard time getting to the money conversation. And mm -hmm. it's not, I mean, they, they, there's just this weird uh, uh, apprehension about asking for money, but it's like, you know, you've got to pay your rent, you've got to pay your people, you've got to do those things. What have you, and you said it's not a natural strength for you. I mean, there's some people that's just get out of their way. They're going to go sell stuff. Um, what what yeah. tricks have you learned? Because I'm sure our listener, you know, some of our listeners have, you know, maybe a little reticent about that. Uh, look, for someone like me, I'm a very touchy-feely personal person. So sometimes that gets in the way of me being able to just talk about the money. Um, and that's also probably why I do well with brands is because I really look at them on an intimate level. So it's a plus and a minus for me. Um, I have a couple of uh, friends that have worked 
at a very high levels um, for very large firms in the role of actually designating budgets in creative and sometimes I talk to them about a project when I've got it on board and I tell them about the budget that I'm looking at or what I'm setting and does that sound you know, does that sound realistic? Um, does it sound okay? And then I also have a financial advisor friend in Sydney who also looks at, you know, sometimes she'll go, you know, you've got to move away from doing it that way and look at moving moving it more in this direction um, and just kind of looking at overall and just coming with that one price and setting it up in this way. Um, I find that I need to seek the counsel for me just to, re and just to reinforce like where I'm at with it and to go, oh yeah, you know what, that is that is the right value and um, and that works. So that's my strategy. I have to go to other people and I, I can't say that I don't. <laughs> so I've, I've had a little experience working with ad agencies um, on the software side. And mm -hmm. it, one of the things that's interesting is how the model has changed on how they make money. It used to be on media buying, Right. You, you made mm -hmm. all your money on, yeah. you know, being able to mark up everything. And then the Internet yeah. happened mm -hmm. and, you know, people can go get things like you said, you know, very inexpensively. Um, so yeah. there's really not a lot of margin there to play with or to make anything with. And I work with a firm who's who they didn't do this. But when I heard them talking about how to reinvent themselves, it made so much sense. They said kind of what you're saying is they come in at the front end of the brand, understand the brand, do the research, have the planners, you know, do all of that stuff and understand who the target is and figure out what the goals are, what they want to do, all of that upfront work, which may net one simple idea in your case where TEDx it was a red door, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's all this stuff that comes up with a thing. And then it's about executing, Right now it's okay. Right. Now we got to do a video. We got to do audio. We've got to do taglines and all that stuff where there's no margin. Where all the IP, the the major value add you had was in how did you take all these disparate conversation points of view data points, put that into your experience engine, and come back and say, here here's where you need to go. Here's the vision. This is where you should be in three years, two years, one year and thank you very much, and then you give the execution to someone else and you just charge them for the IP, and the value is so incredibly high. Yeah. Now, they didn't do that. It's what do you a, think of that? No, it's, I don't know, it's a tough one because really it's the research and the idea that's the gold. Yeah, um, exactly. And that's not to discredit creatives because I also work as a designer and um, and I love the design space. These days I tend to do more strategic direction on the design. I normally always get my hands involved on, on every client anyway just because it's I, I love to still have my hands in on the design side. But um, it's hard and it's hard. I don't, know. I don't know what the answer is there. I think you have to have contracts locked in in place in, in front to kind of be able to measure what the value of that would be. So... I don't know if it's being able to have one set price up front and then have some type of extended contract where perhaps if they're using those ideas or taglines um, and they're going to execute the creative somewhere else that you have a return on interest on a portion of their um, of what they make on that. Have you ever seen that work? Where you you know where I'm sure with startups they they pitch you give them a little bit of the back end and that probably has never worked. But um, yeah. would, a, would a brand ever say, yeah, we'll give you X percent of, 
I mean, that, that seems like such a stretch to connect the dots between that idea and sales. It's tough, yeah, right? Yeah, I don't know. It's really tough. We tend to come on on strategy and then because we have the capabilities to roll out design, um, we do. And, and we love we love being a brand consultancy and a design agency. We love being able to do it all in-house. And, and part of the thing for us is that it ensures the consistency of message mm, and that we've got mm, one right. funnel and one filter. And um, the things that we don't do directly in-house with our direct Orange Identity team, then we outsource to people that we've worked with for a very, very long time. Um, so app specialists and um, very specialized service people because the industry moves so fast that we want to go to the best people for each part of it. Um, so I don't, I what, don't have a what, ton of so, so, experience in just okay. selling off the idea. So, so let's, let's move over to another thing, which is I think an interesting part and probably something you have to deal with more more often than others, which is the cultural considerations, you know, when you're doing your branding. And, you know, if we, I think of, I'm thinking of a small regional company here in central California where their customers are here, but more and more our customers are, you know, internet-based or our marketing needs to be, we have to think beyond borders, if you will. Mm-hmm. And and what, how, how do you go about trying to understand that? I mean, let's just stay with English speaking, but how do you, you know, how do you, What's the advice to an entrepreneur saying, you know, I really want to get my products out there? Are there things I should be thinking about? Now, again, I kind of know a little bit of the answer. I think this is a product-specific question. Um, Ah. Some products, I would say that we're going to have to look at how that would be consumed or if it's a service, how that would be used by different countries, even if they're all English-speaking. You could go from something like America to... To England and you know even though they're similar in many ways maybe the way that we would speak to each of those audiences or the type of visuals or the type of language that would motivate them to take action or garner their interest would be different so I think first of all we we have to look at the base product and we have to look at the research and the development around that what else exists in the marketplace what is doing well in the marketplace if there is something similar and why that is. Um, and perhaps we want to break into a different part of that. Maybe there's lessons that we learn from what's out there already. And for some of them, you know, it might work to have the same um, strategy uh, across borders. I definitely would always say that brand consistency visually and with your main taglines should stay consistent, but the actual approach I think can shift continent to continent depending on the product or service. Do you, um, I'm going to go back to the research part because I'm, I'm also kind of, that's the hardest part for me because that's kind of the, I feel like it's the big unknown. And yet yeah. I've worked with these, these, you know, big agencies with planning departments and, you know, the quants and, you know, all of those types of people. And in every startup class I've taken or, you know, grow your business class I've taken, there's this this one section that I have the hardest time with, which is that the persona, which is to, you know, pre-identify who your customer is before you've ever, before you ever have a customer or, you know what I mean? It's like, well, who do we think I is going to use this? For us, I think that 
the brand, like the questionnaire, kind of the brand dating questionnaire in yeah. essence that we do, that really helps us in the initial stages. We do more research beyond that depending on what needs to be done after that. Some of it involves going out and doing um, surveying and uh, collection, collecting data and um, going through a whole lot of other back-end methods for research and development. A lot of a lot of strategies of which we also learned through Davies um, over the years and other ones that are different because our market is different. So um, so we do do things different there as with, our, with Orange Identity as well. But I just think that for us, when we do that initial 26 question questionnaire to people, that helps tell us who the target audience probably is. Um, I think... We think as brand, we think of brands as personalities. Right. Um, at the end of the day, we are going to spend money or invest on things that we feel emotionally connected to, whether we see it that way or not. And some people are people, people. Some people are animal people. We relate to other living things, whether it's an animal or a human, huh. right? So some people do really well through animal, you know, through a marketing campaign that might have cats in it or whatever it is. And okay. other people do great through, you know, a campaign that's more human emotions. Um, but I just think at the end of the day, we are personalities. So even a service or a product, a can of drink or a service that might be offering financial or legal advice, they're all, serv- they're all personalities that people need to attract, uh, that they need to attach to. So what's your brand personality? What do you, what do you feel like, look like? Um, how do you, uh, how do you, carry out your day-to-day life as a business and as we start to look at those questions we begin to build a persona and from that persona we start to think of well what type of people like that and what type of people would that appeal to and then that helps to direct the types of strategy and outreach that we would take and sometimes like I said that questionnaire is really useful for us because to be honest probably most of the time we find that most companies have trouble answering more than 50% of those questions. That, that's why I'm asking and, and staying yeah. on this because it, it is um, when you talk to the experts, you're, you know, you're a, the superhero in on the, the cast right now. Um, they will say, we can't do anything without this. Yet I sit down, I've sat down with countless blank persona worksheets and it's like, What's the person's name? How old are they? What are they wearing? What do they like to listen to? What's their car? What's their favorite color? What's the TV show? What mm-hmm. do they read? I mean, it, it gets into, they can oh, yeah. get Absolutely. in, right? Exactly. And I, I feel like I'm kind of making it up. Yeah. Well, I think that that's, that's also something to do with who you're dealing with, though, because like I said, when I... I mean, we did a, a good example was a couple of about a month ago um, when I was in the US, we were meeting with a client and we found that a bunch of the people hadn't done the questionnaires um, and some had and some only had a couple of questions done and some had the whole sheet done and some hadn't done it at all because they found it very intimidating. And what we said when we were in the meeting with them is, look, we don't care if you only answer one question. The ones that you don't answer they also give us feedback. That also tells us something about you. So let's discover this together. And when we work with clients, it is very important for us to feel like it is a collaboration. I personally, and other firms may love to take clients where they just take the reins completely and have nothing to do with them. Personally, 
we don't like that as much. We like uh, to work with companies that are very collaborative because if they are understanding their brand and collaborating with us, at the end of the day when we roll out the brand, even if we stay on for them as social media managers or as marketing and PR or as strategists for them, they are still the people that have the day-to-day interface with the clients, um, with the marketplace. And every time somebody from your company walks out your door, they are a brand ambassador. What they say when they're out for drinks on a Friday night to friends on the street, mm-hmm. um, what they say to the family on the weekend or wherever they say, you know, wherever they are, they are talking your brand. Um, so we like people that collaborate with us because then we feel that as the message develops and as they get to know their brand better and we get to know their brand better, then the message is the same. Everyone's walking about with the exact same message. And that's where you're going to find a far stronger synergy and you're going to have far better success in the marketplace. And sometimes people go through these questionnaires and find that their brand is actually radically different from what they thought it was. And that's not <laughs> a bad thing. Right. Um, right. It's not a bad thing. That we may find out through the through doing this and through our research that, hey, you have like seven different markets out there that this would really appeal to and you're not even marketing to them and to be honest they're far bigger than the two or three that you're focusing on right now so these are big eye openers not only for us but for the company as well and when we move together then we just have a greater you know a greater opportunity for success and our client's success is our success if they're not successful we're not successful and that's the end of the day you know that's what it comes down to when you think about a full, because you're full service, right? Your your agency, mm-hmm. you, you'll do as much. What does that mean? What are like? What are all the things you could do? We can take on any um, anything that needs to be expressed from the strategy. And if we don't do it in house, then like I said, we have partnership firms that we work with that are exceptional, um, and that we would partner with because at that point we would still remain the main filter that it goes through to ensure that there's complete consistency. And the reason for using a, a, a company like mine where we do both the strategy and we either handle in-house or strategically partner for the execution of the communication materials is because it ensures that that, the, that one voice is being used and out there. What we found when we work with other companies and particularly when you get to larger ones sometimes they might have somebody doing design somebody doing events somebody doing marketing strategy someone doing like you know financial strategy over there and really you need to be having all those people talk together to ensure that you're all on the same page and that the message that's going out is completely consistent and it gets lost in translation and you know if you're working with especially Let's say that you're working on a, a very large client and you've got a design firm and then you've got a strategy firm. Sometimes it's hard. There's you know, there's a competition between them a little bit and right. oh, they both yeah. have their own ideas yeah. about what yeah. they want to do and what they think is the right voice or the right tone and it actually ends up fracturing the brand when it hits the marketplace. So if you are going to work with two, you know, two or three different companies to execute your entire strategic platform and branding, then make sure that there are agencies that can actually talk to one another. Orange Identity is not a huge company. Um, We've got a really good solid core team and we are very smart at what we do and we have great creative team on board and a great extended um, source of creatives when we need um, more work done. So 
I just I like for us I like that we're in very good synergy if we do have to go out of our company and partner with somebody for a certain service I like that it's people that we like right, that sure, we want to sit down yeah, right, and that right, they right. actually contribute to the conversation they're not looking to have their you know to mold and shape their own thing they're looking to complement what we've got there and they're looking to get in on the conversation to be part of the conversation maybe that's a good way to think of it yeah, instead yeah. of having five conversations going we've got one conversation going that's uh, one of the, one of the things we did right with TEDx is we got everybody mm-hmm. on Slack, right? So yep. we had a way to all have conversations and throwing ideas around, and that worked out really well because it didn't matter yeah. what time zone you were in, right? Because we were kind of all exactly. over the place. Yeah, programs like Slack and Trello and Asana, you know, there's so many of them out out there now that you can all. Um, manage your communications on and it's a great way to ensure that people are seeing where we're at and staying up to date. Do, do you work with companies that have, I mean, you're a virtual team, right? I mean, you're, you're, you've got, there's an office, but it's, it's an extended yeah. team. How does, how have you found that works with um, virtual companies that come to you? So virtual on the other side. Mm, I don't think it's that much of a, Problem. Most of our clients are in California, to be honest. 90% of our clients are in really? California. Oh. Yeah. So some of them, in saying that, some of those are California companies that have a national presence or other um, other areas or offices there. Um, but I don't really find, so at that point, and then the rest would be Australia, we do have touch points in each city when people want to meet. So it's, it's not really been a problem. We haven't taken a lot of clientele, like let's say taking on an English company where it's completely remote or a South African company or something like that. We, part of the things that we offer is also an ability to know the local media connections um, and know the marketplace from a public relations standpoint. And I think for those, you do have to have kind of been in the area. Well, especially with public relations, that's all trust-based, isn't it? I mean, that's all... It's it's relation it's relationships. It's in the name of what you do, right? Yeah. It's it's being able to call someone and either you know get a favor or get them to cover a story where there's you know seventy six other press releases on the person's desk and absolutely being able to break through the desk because there's a lot of I remember sitting in on a panel. Well, I was actually watching a panel recently just on talking to journalists and there was uh, PR experts up there and. The journalists were just saying, oh, my God, like we got, you know, we're, we're looking at 1,000 to 2,000 emails a day just plugging through. So please don't send things as an attachment because let us tell you now we are not opening attachments. Oh. So even if we did send something as an attachment, we always send the copy in the body as well. Um, but these days we even lean towards not attaching it in the body and we just write one to two paragraphs and something easy and quick to digest, a really good tagline or um, touch base in the subject line. And within a paragraph, you should be able to explain what the value of what you've got is and say, hey, just contact us and we can send through the full press release or we can organize an interview or discuss further. And you're going to have them at that or not. They don't have time to read countless, you know, to open attachments. A lot of companies don't want to open attachments for fear of like viral issues anyway. Um, so really you've got to have a really snappy catch line or something really, 
um, substantial that people can see instantly has value to their readers and their marketplace. Um, and then just a little bit of information in the email, and that's enough of a bite for them to contact you normally. I love the the practical tip here because we're all always trying to get someone to pay attention to us, whether it's the, <laughs> you know, it's it's PR or it's something or it's you know your your partner or your customer. It's and this is I think you know my TED is showing now in the sense of having you know what's your idea worth spreading it's the same thing as you know what's that thing what's your brand all about why why do you exist what's your what's your purpose what's your passion you know being able to articulate that in uh, we like to call it one true sentence you know can you well we just did our workshop right so it was like okay yeah. what's your story you've got five minutes and then you have three minutes and you have two minutes and you have one minute and then it's like okay one sentence get up in front of the group and let's hear the sentence and Boy, all the you know extraneous stuff falls away at that time when you've got to get it down to that. And and the whole idea is not to be able to communicate it all in one sentence. It's to be able to have that sentence communicate such mystery, intrigue, and interest that they want to hear another one, and then they mm -hmm. want to hear. It. And so you like earn each. I I think of it as earning yeah. each minute. You know, because yes. right. I want to earn another minute of your attention. I want to be yeah, fascinated. Absolutely. I want to do that. Um, I want to I want to get your your assistance on this part. I have the hardest time. I'm going to guess our listener does as well. In that tagline, you know, that snappy catchphrase, mm -hmm. that uh, you know, that that sentence. And I've worked with people. Um, I remember. Uh, um, oh, come on! It was the Idea Core guys in Santa Barbara. It was uh, Robert and uh, his partner who I can't remember his name now, but he could give him, just say, oh, we do da-da-da-da-da. And he'd go, oh, and he would just whip out that sentence. You're like, okay, how do you do that? I mean, do you find that that's hard or easy for you or hard or easy for most people? Uh, wordsmithing. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I've worked on various sides where we've created the, the taglines, we've done the copy um, from everything. I mean, our clients have a pretty broad range. We work with everyone from uh, local banks um, or California-based and local banks to financial firms to uh, like Impact Hub in Santa Barbara, which is a, a phenomenal co-working space there, um, to world-class surfers, um, filmmakers. We have such a broad spectrum. And I think it's a gift. I don't think you can learn it, honestly. I think you, you either, you're facile with words and you just, you're nimble and you just, and, and I just sit back in awe of those people. I, sometimes we've gone outside to hire for the wordsmithing and sometimes we do it internally. It just depends on the project, I think. But it is, some people just have such an innate ability Isn't for it. Isn't it wonderful? Very, yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, I have yeah. a very good friend who used to be head of creative at Ogilvy in Sydney and, um, and he's amazing, and he's just starting a brand in the U.S. called You Are What You Sleep, which is these beautiful huh. underlays and overlays. Um, but he's amazing like that. You literally give him a line, and he's just straight back at it. But he's so creative brain that he can't operate at all on the other side. <laughs> so, um, which is normally what those people, you know, right. which is normally um, a, a pro and a con of, of people like that. I love wordsmithing. I love coming up with language and strategy and text, I find that 
the greatest ability that I have for that is doing it in the group environment. So we tend uh, to sit down on uh, strategy calls. So we get our team together. We'll have, like for the TEDx, we had six of us on the initial phone calls from Orange Identity and we all sat down and said, okay, we've got what if. So we talked about that and then after talking for about 45 minutes about all these different things, we went away and we all wrote down things and then we came back and had another call and we went through each of our ideas and we talked further and let it all bounce off. And then I found that the direction came um, came quite clearly out of that because there was just so much energy and it became very clear right, right. where to go with it. So I think for our team, we can do very well with that, but we do it as a team. Mm. And then there's those individuals out there that are just innately wordsmithy who do it on their own. Well, our listener who has been paying uh, attention to this and other shows knows that it is that this part, I have cleverly led you to the part (laughs) where you get to name this episode, Pia Dorer. You get, yes, exactly, and no one can see the look on your face except me, <laughs> um, but it, it's, this is the part of the show. We've gone through 45 minutes of great conversation just like that, and if someone has come in and they've, they've, listened, they've listened to one of the shows, and now they're looking at the catalog of 100-plus shows, and they're just looking at titles, so how do they pick this show as the next show they would want to listen to, and it's because it's got a great title, and you get dibs on that title. Mm. Okay. Mm. And we have um, all the time. We had all night. So, <laughs> <laughs> speed dating for brands. Ooh, um, what is it? Good. Speed dating for oh. brands. Speed dating for brands. Um, you know, something around. Uh, it has to be something around really understanding your brand and finding that right partner. So like I said that last week when I was kind of thinking about all of this, knowing the show was coming up, when I had that online dating kind of parallel of sure, really having the right questions and kind of going on a date with your brand agency um, and making sure that you're going to make an awesome couple. And you're going to go the distance. I, I, I think we got it. Patrick. It all trickles down. It all trickles down from the top, right? They say that with relationships. Always make sure that, you know, that the that the mum and the dad or the two people at the top of the relationship are the strongest part, and it trickles down. And I try to remind myself of that all the time. I've got three young kids and a husband. And I balance it with my life and my work. And, you know, I say we have to be the rock baby. Like we have to be rock solid at the top because it yep. all trickles down. Yep. And that's what I'd say. Be, you know, have a have some fantastic dates with your agency that you're going to, or vice versa, agencies and designers and freelancers, right from companies down to individual people. Have that good conversation with your prospective client, and make sure that you are so dang excited about that next yeah, date. Yeah, yeah. There make you sure go. Make sure that you, want you a can't wait date. to know where. Yeah, and yeah. where you're going to go, what you're going to do on that date. You know those first feelings when you've been on it, when you're out on on the dating circle all those years ago and you just can't wait to see that person and you can't think straight because there's so much of the love drug pumping through your brain. The love drug. It should be like, it should be like that. I love <laughs> it. Just Pia, be like that. You know, you can't think straight. <laughs> thank, you, thank you so much. How do people find you out there on the interwebs? They can find us at sayoi.com. Um, <laughs> the company's Orange Identity, but oi, actually, just to give you a quick thing, oi is in O-I, um, comes originally from a British war cry for sports, um, and then it was 
used across in Australia as well. And very traditionally at Australian sports games, particularly AFL, but in any sports games, they'll go Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. And then the entire crowd will go, oi, oi, oi. Yeah. Um, yep. And oi is a call to attention. So we like to think of it as a call to attention ah. for your brand or service. So say oi and get that attention and, and get out there and make your brand successful. And it, people are available here in California and in Sydney because we have we have listeners Correct. all over the world. So uh, yep. who knows where California, that next call may come from. Yeah. And in the U.S. we also fly. We can fly into cities to meet with clients. So we've got one that we're probably going up to see in Seattle soon. And um, so we're definitely mobile. We love to get out there. We're all oh, travel nice. lovers, by the way. All of us have traveled worldwide from the OI team. And so we're deeply passionate for travel and connecting the culture and breaking borders across the world. So uh, we're, we're looking forward to working with you on our 2017 TEDx Santa Barbara. And uh, that that's going to be a Can't good wait. one. So I thank you very much. I also want to thank California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner, Pull String Press, for this great place to have these fascinating conversations. If you're interested in partnering with our podcast, send us a note to partner at 805connect.com. So, Patrick, someone who's listening yeah. to this and they're, they're like they want to just stop the podcast because they want to go work on their brand personality profile. Sure. What, what should they do before they do that? Well, they should open up their podcast application and, of course, give us a, a like, a review, uh, throw some stars our way, and also hit that subscribe button. That is the best way to stay in touch with what's happening here at 805 Conversations. Uh, and maybe more specifically, I've been sitting over here quietly uh, enthralled in this conversation, trying to come up with a word that rhymes with orange. The best I could come up with was door hinge. <laughs> Which, but, well, there you go. But if you if you can think of a word that rhymes with orange, send identity, us a note. Send us a note. Uh, the other thing you can do is a trick that I actually did this afternoon, Patrick. Yeah. Uh, I was waiting at a store. Uh, I'd give my wife some advice on a dress she wanted to buy. And uh, I said I was coming to do this podcast this evening. Mm. And she said, podcast? I would like to listen to a podcast. And I said, do you have a phone? And she <laughs> said, yes. And she handed it to me. And I took the podcast and subscribed her nice. on just like that to Best 805 Conversations. Ever. I love that <laughs> one. Uh, I'd love to hear from you if you've got questions or an idea for a guest for an upcoming show. That's where we get all of our ideas. Drop me a line at mark at 805connect.com. And thank you very much for those. We really appreciate it. So until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.